let's go ahead and bring in our next guest. This is Justin Martin. He is the social media content creator for Back the Truck Up. So let's welcome in Justin. We got Truck Driver Appreciation Week coming up. And so we're excited to to hear the lowdown on on you and how Back the Truck Up came to fruition and how you got involved with with the platform and with the site. So go ahead and give us a rundown on who Justin Martin is, how long you were driving for and all that good stuff. Hey, Blake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was a 15-year veteran driver. I uh, did seven years over the road, seven years local. Uh, in the last five years of that, I was with the Postal Service. And I was on my break one day and scrolling through Twitter and saw a posting for a job asking if uh, you were a truck driver with some social media savvy. And I said, oh, that sounds like me. And I applied and poof, here I am. Can't believe it. So you were you were actively involved with social media well before you ever got involved with Back the Truck Up. Yeah, mostly just you know, for killing time, uh, people don't realize there's like an entire talent pool of guys out there that just, they're doing this for fun, not realizing that there actually is a potential career to go into this. Same with me. I had no idea that, you know, wasting time on Photoshop in my teens and early 20s would actually uh, benefit me later on in my career. <laughs> Heck yeah. I mean, it's really is, a. have been sort of screaming from the mountaintops for a while now that drivers have hands down the best social media following in all of logistics and really comparatively to, to other industries, they have a, such a strong social media following. So when you were creating content, were you doing a lot of videos? Were you doing, you know, maybe just like Instagram, Twitter, give us a little bit of a rundown of what your content creation looked like before back the truck up. And then now that you're working full time with back the truck up. Yeah, definitely not so much video. I was always camera face outward or um, stuff in the news, you know, very topical stuff. You take a screenshot, you add some funny text and then put it on and you know, you put it on message forums just for laughs. Um, starting with Back to Truck Up, I had to get more into TikTok and what everyone's into now. And that's like a whole different animal right there. The, the, the learning curve for me to, to, to go from, <coughs> excuse me, from Twitter into TikTok was just, you know, a straight line upwards. And so when you are... When you're working as as a trucker and then you decide that you're going to take this job at, at back the truck up. So with that, how did your, I guess, content, how did your job, I guess, change from a daily standpoint? Were you excited to not be on the road? Were you excited to, or, or do you kind of miss being out on the road? Give us a little bit of rundown on what it's like to go from being out on the road to working from home, essentially. Yeah. So basically, I, I, when I was over the road, on the road. Um, my life was on pause. Basically I was just, just working. Um, I'd be out three, four, five. I think my, my record was six months at a time, uh, just to see if I could, you basically have to like mentally trick yourself into thinking that you're camping, um, as a, as a way of doing it. Maybe you catch a hotel like every couple of weeks or so. Uh, but then switching from that to local, you know, at least you're home every night, you're sleeping in your own bed. You can kind of settle down and, and put down roots. Um, and then when I saw this job post, it was remote, so you're home every night. It, I, I, for me, that that was unbeatable. I I went from working at the postal service, so I was you know a government employee with government benefits. I could have very easily coasted the rest of my life in this career, but um, I saw this as like a great opportunity to be able to grow a brand, grow a following, talk to drivers, talk to companies, and try and merge the two together. Because I noticed that there is a disconnect between companies trying to find drivers and drivers trying to find good companies. So let's let's talk about a little bit about what you guys actually talk about on, on Back the Truck Up. Is there a conscious, I guess, plan of what you're going to cover on, you know, maybe like a weekly basis or a monthly basis? Or are you guys really, you know, just 
finding out what the in the trenches truckers are talking about and then you're crafting stories and advice around that or is it maybe a little bit of both definitely both you want to cover you know Dooner is very specific on evergreen topics um we want people to be able to go on the site and see stuff that's happening currently but then also you know something six to six months to a year from now go back and everything's still relevant there's always stuff to talk about even today right now you know i don't know if you've been watching the headline news but you know queen elizabeth just died um so that's kind of taking over the headlines right now but even the queen was a truck driver you know in world war ii so there's always truck driving is in everything Oh, that's such a great point because I, I mean, as someone who is, you know, I've been obsessed with the royal family since, you know, uh, Lady Diana or, or Princess Diana. And so I was following, refreshing the news all day. And you, you bring up a great point about the historical implica- implications of, of somebody like the queen passing away. And you are very, very right. You know, back in, I think it was World War II, she, is, she used to actually work on the trucks as well as a mechanic, yeah. which is just incredible. I don't know how many public leaders have done that throughout their career. I, I would be willing to bet not many. Yeah. One of my favorite like stories about her was anytime there was like a very high profile figure coming to visit, she would take them and drive around in her own truck and just absolutely terrify the living crap out of them because she could drive. <laughs> she was a hell of a driver and, you know, it's very unassuming, but just you're in a truck with this little old lady and she's just driving the wheels off of it. Well, well, speaking of, of drivers and speaking of, you know, sort of, I guess the, the relationship between drivers and the general public, we have truck, tri- truck Driver Appreciation Week that's coming up next week. What are some good examples that you've seen and maybe some bad examples that you've seen based on your, your career history and maybe what's going on right now of how drivers are truly appreciated or how these companies are truly appreciating their drivers? It's tough because, you know, you're not a... Your workforce is, is spread out. So trying to get everybody together for like a big office party, just it's almost impossible. Um, <laughs> I drove for a company based in California... And every year they would have a big office party for Christmas and they would kind of put out a message like a month or two beforehand to their drivers saying, hey, if you want to participate, let us know and then we'll try and get you a load uh, back to back to home base here. But I, I think so many companies right now are just screwing it up because it takes so little for drivers to feel like they're appreciated. And they're just, you know, just today, um, there was a CEO on Twitter um, putting out a video saying how much he appreciates his drivers and he's going to go on this big tour and stuff, but he's doing it in front of his like private jet. Like wait till you land first, go inside your operating center, find some drivers sitting in the lounge and then shoot a video with them. Don't put that video out first in front of your private jet, especially for driver appreciation day or uh, literally anywhere else. (laughs) Like you could have recorded that video anywhere else. And it wouldn't have gotten any kind of uh, maybe potential backlash or, you know, getting people talking, but just record it anywhere else. Just try to, you know, I guess maybe have some kind of like, I don't want to be sound like tone deaf, but that, that sounds like it's a little tone deaf from, from looking at yeah, that video. Oh, I, know, only, I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> the only thing it was missing was like him smoking a cigar. <laughs> well, let's talk, well, are there any companies that I guess that are doing it right that are, you know, showing appreciation? Because that, that's one of the, the common things is that, yes, it's Truck Driver Appreciation Week. But, you know, you hear a lot of companies saying, well, we should appreciate drivers all year round. Are there companies that are actually doing that in this space? We're looking right now. I haven't seen any personally myself. Um, you know, being where I was in my career, every day was kind of the same. You know, you're either working or you're not there was no like the idea of appreciation is like well you have a job so that's that's your appreciation 
And that's I, too. I've I think it was about a year ago that I pulled um, the the truckers subreddit, which is incredibly popular subreddit. If you're a redditor, go you know make sure you follow mm-hmm. that just so you can get a pulse on on what's going on. But I had pulled them on what gifts do truckers actually want? And a few of the responses were like, oh, a really high quality, you know, flashlight or, you know, really durable gloves. But then the number one response was always cash. Just give us cash. That's what we want. We can't, you know, pay our bills with, you know, pizza parties and, you know, cupcakes and things like that. It was always cash. Is that still relevant? I would imagine that it would be. Yeah, the companies that are taking care of the drivers, those are the ones you never really hear about. Um, When I started my career in 2007, Harley-Davidson and Walmart were like the two hardest companies to get into. Now, of course, mm-hmm. Harley-Davidson doesn't have a trucking fleet anymore. And I think it was Schneider that took them over. But Walmart, they didn't want anybody that had less than like 10 years experience, million miles safe driving. If you had even a single hiccup on your license, they wouldn't even look at you. Fast forward, you know, 10, 15 years, um, their fleet, just like everybody else's fleet, is retiring faster than they can be replaced. Um, so it's a lot easier to get into these companies. But the, the companies you would hear complaints about that are always saying, oh, we have a driver shortage, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the ones that aren't really taking care of the drivers. You never hear a peep from the ones that are taking care of the drivers. And Walmart was one mm, of them. That's a, that's a really great point. Now, when it comes to, I guess, we had talked earlier about like the content creation side of things and how drivers have a really incredible social media presence. Do you see more companies starting to maybe help drivers, you know, pay them for their content, pay them to create content? Do you see that happening more in the landscape or is it kind of just companies just letting the drivers create content whenever they want? Yeah, I haven't seen like sponsored content from companies for their drivers. If there is a company out there that has content that they're putting out themselves, it's usually somebody in their office. Um, but yeah, they're definitely missing out on like a big uh, opportunity right there. Part of it, I think, is they don't want to be like liable for safety stuff. Obviously, you don't want your driver recording stuff while they're driving. But all the truck driver content creators you see out there, are they're doing stuff in their cabs as, as a driver would. Um, but the companies that are putting out content, it's all people that work in the office. So there is a disconnect there. Yeah, it seems like an incredibly missed opportunity from looking at, you know, I've suggested this on the show before, is that you know, some of these carriers just look at the most popular videos that your one of your drivers has maybe produced because the organic reach is already done for you. You already know how it's going to perform. So you already know it's yeah. probably going to do well. So pick ones that are brand safe and then promote them on your own channel. It's an easy win-win for, for both the driver and for the company, especially if you, you throw them some extra cash for the awareness that they're bringing your company. That just seems like an easy win for me. And I'm not exactly sure why more companies aren't doing that. Is it brand safety, you think? Yeah, because a lot of companies, they have social media um, policies. You know, mm-hmm. if you're driving for them, but you're putting out videos complaining about something and you've got like their logo right there behind you, they don't want that, you know, reflecting on them. 100%. Yeah, that's true. Which is why I just think that they should still like, you know, let the drivers post what they want within reason. But then you can always go through mm-hmm. and pick and choose like which ones are brand safety or follow your brand safety guidelines and then promote those as well. It feels like such an easy solution. Not sure why, you know, more companies aren't doing that. But let's get into, you know, a couple more things about you personally, because there's a couple things that I really wanted to hit on. And because you said that you had told me a story um, back at the F3 conference that you or, or the Freightways to Futures Supply Chain Conference, F3 is coming up in November. Hard to keep but, this together. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to keep them all together. But you had told me this crazy story about how you, the craziest thing that you had hauled or heard about getting hauled. And it was like these, uh, it's like a bomb equipment that was being hauled to the middle of nowhere. It turned out to be, uh, you know, explosive devices or something like that. Tell us a little bit about the craziest thing you've ever hauled. Uh, well, a lot of it I can't say publicly because it was uh, classified, but um, I was always very surprised with hearing the different ways that like old army munitions are disposed of. Um, that story in particular, we were going to a National Guard base in Louisiana, and the company <coughs> excuse me, that was in charge of it handled it very poorly. That was the first time I'd ever been inside a facility where I looked around and I went, my God, we're going to get exploded. Like This is, this is just so unsafe. Um, the company was called Explose Systems Incorporated. The um, munitions that they were storing inside the building basically took over the inside and they started storing it outside. It was struck by lightning. It became a huge uh, debacle there for the town because nobody wants to live next to a giant pile of explosives. Um, and it's, it's been a mess ever since. Now, the problem is that the cleanup from that was done so well that the government approached the town and were like, hey, how would you guys like to become you know, the next, this new storage site for disposing of, of uh, <laughs> old bombs. And it's a double-edged sword because there are really good, high-paying contracting gigs for the government, but then also people are like, yo, my kids live here. I don't want them living near this stuff. Right. It just seems like a little bit of a conflict of interest uh, from the family standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, other and, and there's like other companies that are doing totally perfectly. Um, there was one in... Um, Missouri, Joplin, Missouri, we'd go to, and they would dispose of it chemically. You know, you, you roll in, um, they take the trailer off of you, and then they, they have their guys take it in for you, and they just have a chemical process they, that they go through and, and dispose of it. Uh, other places like um, Tooele, Utah, they just pile it into a big pile and just light it up because there's absolutely <laughs> nothing out there for them to blow up except for some cows, maybe. <laughs> Well, that seems like kind of a fun thing to, to to witness, I guess, from a very safe distance far away, yes, especially, yeah, you know, a, yeah. a giant fire like that. Now, you know, we talked about the dangerous side of things, you know, whenever it comes to, you know, the working on the road. But now that you're back at home, you've taken up an interesting hobby that is, you said, mm -hmm. is driving your wife crazy, uh, but you've become a very passionate plant dad. Can you give us a little bit of a, of a journey or tell us the story about your journey into plant daddom? <laughs> Yeah, we just moved into a new place in South Philly. And it was pretty small. So I bought two um, golden pothos plants from Home Depot. Just like $10 little house plants. You can buy them anywhere. The problem is, is that with enough sunlight and fertilization and water, they grow like crazy. Within six months, that plant was probably 10 feet long. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And then I found out you can propagate them. So you just, <laughs> you know, cut each leaf off at the node, put it in some water, and now you've got a thousand pothos plants. So that kind of, exploded from there. I'm, I'm on like my fourth generation propagation from that. Um, I keep giving them away to, to friends because I'm just, I just keep running out of space with these plants. So from the pothos, I uh, found some other friends ahead of the plants. Now I have like a couple of monsteras and um, yeah, it just, it's just, my wife actually asked me a couple of months ago, like how many plants do you think you have? And I said, I don't know, 20. And we actually went to a candidate and it was up to like 87. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> So yeah, you, you definitely took the COVID lockdowns as seriously as the rest yeah. of us uh, with, with getting uh, tons of plants because I think I'm right there about the same amount of plants as you. I, I don't want to go back and count because the last time I counted, it was more than 70. So um, we're just going <laughs> to remain ignorant to that effect. But I will take one of your props from, from the pothos plant because I just unfortunately killed one of mine that I have at the wow. house. But um, 
as, as we sort of wrap out the show, let's your retirement plan. I wanted to make sure that I got this one in there because it's a super mm. cute picture that we have of you and your son. I believe it's your son. Um, but the retirement plan is to become Santa. When do you expect to take <laughs> on that role and responsibility? Important role and responsibility. You know, so, so that particular Santa, he was in New Jersey and he told me I could pull it off today right now. Um, there's like sprays that you can buy to like spray paint your beard or some guys dye them. I actually got into this because, um, one of my friends that my parents were stationed with when they were in the air force, his name is Randy. He's a professional Santa Claus now. And when I knew him, he was just this guy with this cool mustache. And when he retired from the air force, he got a job in an office and they had a beard growing contest one day. And when it grew in, they were like, Oh, Randy, you look like Santa Claus. I was like, really? And so he got an agent and went to Colorado to this Santa Claus truck, uh, Santa Claus school. And uh, he's been doing it ever since. He, before COVID, he was, uh, his agent got him a gig in Shenzhen, China to be the official Santa Claus for like this luxury resort out there. And I was like, that's, what? that's the Santa Claus I want to be. Yeah. That, Hold it's, on, it's a crazy gig because even like your low quality mall Santa Claus, um, they can make up to a hundred bucks an hour. Really? Wow, there's oh, yeah. good money now, in being Santa. <laughs> yeah, and then with COVID, they had to get real, cra- uh, real, and in, in, um, they had to be cr- creative with this stuff because now they went to uh, remote calling. You know, he would do Skype calls or Zoom calls or TikToks and stuff with, with, with kids because you know they're not doing anything face to face at Santa Claus, and so you know you charge parents you know twenty to fifty bucks per per session for a half an hour with Santa Claus, easy money. Santa is making money out here. Not to mention yeah. that, but you got to have an agent to be a Santa and go to Santa school. Like that is, yeah. I never knew that about, I, I assume there was some part of, you know, some training aspects of it, but it didn't seem like you had to do that much training, but to have an agent, yeah. like that is some serious, that's some serious santa Yeah. Cause it's not just, you know, putting the kid on your lap and asking what they want for Christmas. Um, a lot of these guys, they do uh, charity gigs for like uh, cancer wards at hospitals. Mm. And so when you have a, a kid and you say, hey, Billy, what do you want for Christmas? And they say, I want to, you know, live the next year. You have to know how to respond to these like absolutely horrific sob stories to kids. Oh, wow. That's yeah. That, that I mean, you bring up a great point because it, it's so much more than just, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And, you know, just moving them yeah. along. So really great perspective. I love the retirement plan. I, you know, maybe Mrs. Claus, you know, will have, you know, some kind of an, an agent you know, Mrs. Claus, you know, sort of school as well that, you know, maybe I could look into in the future. But I appreciate your your, your time today and sharing your perspective and your experience, especially with, because I think you're one of the most, you know, interesting guys, you know, that's out there creating content. You know, you have all of these really cool hobbies, a former trucker, and now you're, you're a full-time content creator. So I think it's really cool to, to watch your journey. And speaking of, you know, all the content that you've created, where can folks follow your work, follow Back the Truck Up, all that good stuff? Yeah, so we're at backtotruckup.com. Our Twitter is back the truck. Uh, we're also on TikTok, back the truck. Um, Instagram, back the truck up. Um, my personal Twitter is uh, at super trucker. The name is completely ironic, I promise you. <laughs> well, perfect. Thank you so much, Justin, for, for sharing all of your expertise. It was really, really fun conversation, especially um, around the Queen, as, you know, with everything that's happened today. So, really cool stories. And thank you for sharing your, your perspective. Thanks for having me. Talk to you. hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. 
And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!